This episode is brought to you by Wondrium. For a limited time, sign up and get a free month of unlimited access at wondrium.com slash probably. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash probably. Probably science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. You are hearing the voice of Andy Wood. And Matt Kirshen. And, and uh, there's somebody else here. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's it's me. It's Jesse Case. Yes. Hey, Jesse. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Not too bad. How is, how, how's Nashville? You know, it's a mess. I mean, everywhere, it'd be weird if I was like, it's awesome. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere is, uh, our, the, the main hospital in Nashville is like completely full. Ooh. So, so even like driving feels weird. It's like, I just can't get in a wreck. You just can't. You know? Oh right, yeah. It's like there's no it's room just for even completely standard. full. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know it's a bit of a mess, but it's all right. Getting through. Getting Oof. through. How are you guys? G- good. Yeah, uh, we can. I can drive with abandon right now. Like, like we've still got beds. So, um, like I can. Yeah, just doing like slaloms on the interstate. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm not even. Forth. I'm. I'm. I'm closing my eyes most of the time. Uh, what's this? I'm just getting a telegram here. It says we have a guest today. Ooh, yes, <laughs> we do. What's happening? What What's going on with that? It's not just the three of us. There's some sort of guest happening. Th- there is. Could, could that be? Could that be David Lyons? Could that be? Oh, David, hey everybody, David B. Lyons. Yeah, whatever. Wow, that was a, a freakishly good guess, Matt. <laughs> it was. That was a fantastic guess. I gotta know. I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Are you, any relation to Johnny B. Good? Uh, no, but uh, Michael J. Fox and I have uh, pooped next to each other in a public bathroom. Ah. Okay. And I know you carry your guitar in a gunny sack. I know yeah, that. Yeah. Is yeah. And what, what about Coco Beware? Oh, oh, yeah. Man, I wish I would have wish I would have done that one. Coco Beware. It, Man, never a misstep with that guy. <laughs> now, how did, if you don't mind me asking, uh, how did you know that you were pooping next to Michael J. Fox? We walked into the bathroom at the same time. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, fair. <laughs> and his foot was twitching. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so you you weren't just like sitting next to someone. The, oh, sorry. Well, no, it wasn't just someone like running lines from Teen Wolf or something. <laughs> and you just assumed later. Like in hindsight, I right, think I was pooping right. next I mean, to that's, that guy. That's happened to me too, but that's because I've been to improv shows. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Um, that Well, uh, David B. Lyons, how are you? How, how are I'm, doing, I'm doing very well. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to uh, use Zencaster. Uh, so many so many fantastic things happening all at once. Yeah, I, we we've, we've been experimenting with a new platform. Is what's going on here after some hitches with our previous one. So we'll see we'll see how this goes. It's amazing to me how bad. Just in general, I'm not calling us part of the science community. I'm not going to say that, but it's amazing to me how bad the science community is at things like this where it would like shake people's faith in everything. You know if, what I mean? Like knew how bad video ca- uh, uh, conference calls still are. Or- no, I mean, okay. Like in the, in like the, when I was working for the Moderna stuff, like we would have t- twice a week, we'd have this big zoom and it would be a big zoom meeting. And it's like the smartest virologist in the world. Like I'm just sitting there like an idiot, you know, but they're, like these are like geniuses and uh nobody can figure out zoom 
Like nobody. <laughs> it was just the worst. There was like I actually kind of take comfort in that because I want you to be good at virology, not right. technology. Like, sure. You guys, sure. You guys, I'm surprised you didn't bring someone in. Like no, some, I mean, there's no glasses and a pocket protector that could really, you know, fuck it up. No, I mean, it was it was it was a mess. It's like you're talking about like the, you know, the most important clinical trials going on on Earth or whatever. And then it's like there's a guy who can't get his background like it's just vacation photos of his (laughs) of his wife, like in a hot tub. And like he can't figure out how to change it. uh, (laughs) it It was brutal. That was one of my bits um, during Zoom meetings early on is I found this uh, photo of a bunch of old people in a hot tub. <laughs> and I just take off my shirt and make that the background. <laughs> and I love it, it really, really did not go over well at Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, we've, Man. we've glossed over a couple things here. First of all, uh, we forgot to mention to listeners that Jesse developed the Moderna vaccine. Yes, me yeah. personally. I he personally is, developed it. I, well, him and Dolly Parton basically Dolly worked P- together for six together. months. Yeah. It was Dolly Parton and I. Uh, we had tr- we had a lot of trouble with her lab coat. Um, <laughs> we had to <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely fit. a custom job, sure. It was a custom lab coat. And uh, her and I, we had trouble with my lab coat too, frankly. And um, <laughs> yeah, and we developed it ourselves. We used a lot of various beakers. That's and uh, <laughs> did you did you use a graduated cylinder? Uh, no graduated cylinders. We used oh. uh, we used cylinders that dropped out of school. But right. well, you're, you're the yeah. scientist. Yeah, we used GED cylinders, but uh, several Bunsen burners mm-hmm. were involved. It was those it are, was pr- I believe the plural is Bunsen's burner. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, his it's his burner. Um, uh, we did that. We didn't have the budget for like dual. Microscopes. So we just took two single microscopes and duct taped them together. So it looked oh. cool to look oh, in. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah. That's you got to make a wide slide for one of those. But yeah, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse um, likes a wide slide. Yeah. yeah. Love a wide slide. Mm-hmm. Good old wide slide. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. We've been to the water park. I love, mm-hmm. It's my favorite. Sure. Um, yeah. And we did the whole thing ourselves. And that's it. So I'm a national hero. And, uh, you know, it's great. How did you that's fit That's fantastic. Micro- I'm more of a Pfizer guy, frankly. Yeah. yeah. No, fair. I took Pfizer. I, mm-hmm. I you know. Because you, you knew. No, <laughs> uh, no, it's what was, it was what was offered. It showed up a week earlier at it was, the it hospital. Like, it wasn't like one of those brain teasers where you're on an island that only has two barbers. Do you go to the one with the bad haircut <laughs> or the good haircut? It wasn't. Right, like right. One of the vaccines could only tell a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. And uh, yeah, it was just me and Dolly hanging out all day. Nice. It was great. We started our own podcast. Um, did you, did Dabney Coleman come up? <laughs> No, it was weird. It was weird. It was it was Porter Wagner. We talked about Porter Wagner a lot. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, Dabney was Dabney you're having was a conversation. Of course, Porter Wagner is going to come up, right? Yeah, that that's not even Dolly specific. That's just sort of a, a me yeah, thing. We're we're saying the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we fulfilled our own prophecy, guys. What uh, what else is happening? First of all, if you live in Haiti, oh, are yeah. you okay? What I mean, you know. I I've seen the I remember before we we had a few listeners in Haiti when I would look at the Lipson, you know, map that it's just uh, we're thinking about you guys. Yeah. Is there any place on Earth that has been more shat upon by the fates, by the gods? (laughs) I mean, it's really Haiti is consistently it's man. I don't know what's I mean, this is a probably science. There's got to be some sort of the tectonic plate 
Uh, I mean, we got to figure that out. There's got to be an answer. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, that just, that look, that looks horrible. So sending our best to, if, if we do have any, yes. And sending our best. Um, uh, I, I was going to, uh, so also we, we sort of glossed over Dave name dropping, uh, both Disney and Michael J. Fox. Uh, your career is, is part of why I wanted to have you on today, Dave. Um, because I, because I poop next to Michael J. Yes. Fox. Yeah. Well, I, this is a roundabout way of, of getting to this, but uh, we were talking about the clumps on a recent episode, Ooh. and I wondered out loud why there was uh, um, both Nutty Professor and Clump. I was like, "There's why are there two Eddie Murphy fat suit movies? I was like, no, wait, that's the same character. Then I realized after we finished recording, what I was really wondering about is what is Norbit? And oh. I, th- I thought of you, Norbit yeah, being the other Eddie Murphy fat suit movie that I don't think is in the Clumpiverse. Yeah. You've had no, it's completely separate, Dave. You've had a bizarre career, a bizarrely assorted career in the entertainment industry. Yeah, we should we should explain your various your various hats, right? And Um, and my my resume is is varied. Yeah, Um, and there's some weird shit on there. You you are the only person I know who basically coined an entire music genre. Oh yeah, I did that. What's that? What's I'm I'm sorry. I'm so unawares. I'm I'm stuck over here in like the southeast. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, Nashville, too out of the loop. Nashville isn't known for its music, so no apologies. <laughs> no, no, there's no music here. It's a. Uh, it's uh, not allowed. It's like Footloose. Oh, oh. So you can't dance. You can't dance or sing, or there's nothing. It can only wow. be silence. John Lithgow's looking hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, my friends and I made a, a series of videos back in 2005 and 2006 called Yacht Rock. And when those came out, they were kind of viral before viral videos were a thing. Sure, sure. And then we, 15, 16, however many years later, we're still dealing with the aftermath of that. We've had a podcast. We're writing a book for Little Brown right now. I oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I didn't realize that, for, like, you completely coined that expression. And now... Wow. So Yacht Rock was not what it was called when Yacht Rock was out. No, they just called it... Like soft rock or whatever. Yeah, or adult-oriented contemporary West Coast, you know, whatever. Sure. They throw at it. But now there are like uh, full-on Yacht Rock music festivals where Hall and & Oates and Mike McDonald wow. and everyone yeah. headline. Yeah, there's a station on Sirius XM. I think uh, when you guys get on your Peloton bikes, um, maybe, you know, this is a shout-out to get sponsored by Peloton. Uh, the uh, They have a Yacht Rock channel on that. It's it's just, it's everywhere. I, I was sitting, uh, God, it was a famous... Famous DJ who's dead now. Uh, Avi- Avicii? Avicii, is that a thing? I think oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, that's a thing. Yeah. Yep. So I was doing a movie where he um, he was uh, like the DJ in the background. And we were sitting and talking and he was telling me he wanted to do a Yacht Rock set. And I thought he was talking to me because he knew what that was. <laughs> but no, he just knew the term. And I right. like, Googled Yacht Rock and showed him a photo. I was like, that's my face, dude. That's what you're talking <laughs> about. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's like become you, bigger than You than kind us. of rejuvenated the career of Hall of Notes. <laughs> like you- it's it's kind of remarkable. We've, we've written or we are in the process of writing this book for Little Brown. And it's funny. I like to I like to brag that our label mates are uh, Nelson Mandela and J.D. Salinger. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, but 
We are writing this book about Yacht Rock, and we've had the opportunity to interview all these amazing people. And a lot of them aren't names that, you know, you hear around, but they're heavy hitters. Uh, for instance, Jay Graydon, who's probably best known for doing the guitar solo on Peg by Steely Dan. Hawaiian yeah. sounding thing. Yeah, yeah. But also is a monster producer. Um, we interviewed Steve Picaro the other day uh, from Toto. And just telling these stories, uh, the Alessi brothers, who a lot of people don't know, but I guarantee you, you know, the jingle just for the taste of it, Diet Coke. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they're telling stories about harmonizing with Paul Stanley on the Venice boardwalk because nobody <laughs> recognized him because it was when they had to have it's just all these amazing stories about being on a boat with Christopher Cross. Like, Why don't you have a sailboat? And he's like, I don't know how to fucking sail. Ah, of course not. Like all these amazing things. And it all goes back to this little dumb video we made in 2005 when we put on costumes and we're hanging out in each other's backyards and started talking about what I wanted to call Marina rock because Which, there's already a genre called arena rock. That's a great, that's a great uh, yeah. And JD and I got into an argument. One of my, one of, one of my, my, my colleagues, um, we, uh, got into an argument about it and he convinced me the yacht rock was a better name. And, yeah, so we don't we don't call it Marina Rock, we call it Yacht Rock. It's right. stuck. Yeah, I mean it's gotten everywhere. We were over in Australia doing shows, and I was sitting in a oh, bar in Melbourne. Right. You and called a poster me from a bar because a uh, rock band. <laughs> yeah, your your bartender knew my podcast. Well, I I was you know I feel like I always am defending you even when there's no defense needed to people who know what Yacht Rock is, but don't. <laughs> yeah, know people hate Dave Lyons, man. It's <laughs> everywhere. Richard. I've been. All over the world, and people are there are shirts that say "fuck Dave Lyons," and I'm just like, yeah. "This is weird." Oh, you know? I thought those were positive. <laughs> I thought that was like, like I know that you to- Dave Lyons. No. Yeah, no, I know that used to be your merch, but yeah. I think it's it's taken a dark turn. It was more of a and, suggestion. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was like the the obey. You know, like just put it everywhere mm-hmm. and let it sneak into the consciousness. The new exactly. fairy, yeah, Super yeah, saturate the market. Absolutely. But well, yeah, no, that's that's uh, mind blowing to like come up with, and I'm I'm sure it has to be a little frustrating too because it's also like, um, you know, it's it's everywhere, but it's like it's like having a meme that goes so viral it becomes part of the lexicon. Yeah, it's, and, and it's like you're not getting royalties when people. No, we are not. You know, have a yacht rock. XFM channel or whatever. It's and it's yeah, like no, I started the thing. I did the thing. There's a band uh, from Atlanta called the Yacht Rock Review that trademarked it and started sending cease and desist letters to other people, like actually to Christopher Cross, Jesus. Uh, who Jesus. wanted to tour on a Yacht Rock under the Yacht Rock banner, and they're like, no, that's ours. And uh, it was a long legal battle, and we finally. Um, Kind of like rock and roll belongs to everyone. Alan Freed and his estate no longer owns rock and roll. Oh. Anyone can use it. So now we have a little circle R around Yacht Rock that we can use. And if other people want to use it, they can. In, in my mind, everybody shows up to court for that case, right? And, and, <laughs> and Captain the, was there to yeah, kneel. Right. The, the, the judge walks in and he has like a Hawaiian pattern cloak. And everyone's like, fuck, like, <laughs> we're totally going to lose. We got the cool judge. <laughs> the bailiff is George Benson. <laughs> oh, George Benson is someone we're uh, interviewing. Well, no, oh. excuse me. Pablo Cruz is somebody 
we're interviewing very soon. I don't um, know Pablo Cruz. You, you or do. do I? Okay. Cannonball Run theme song. <laughs> Hello. But the, I can't believe the goal of someone to take a name and then trademark it and then try and sue people, including the people yeah. it's named after. Well, they're businessmen that play music. Right. And we are people that just love music. Right. So, um, we have run into, um, like, for instance, I got into a big Twitter fight with Richard Marks, who <laughs> thinks that the, uh, the term is pejorative. And I said, no, it's kind of like, you know, Mel Brooks loved horror movies. If I can be so bold to compare myself to Mel sure. Brooks. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, but no, he loved, he loved Frankenstein movies and he made Young Frankenstein. You know, it's, it's the same thing. You don't put that much effort and care and time into something you don't like. Right, we, right. We love the music. We love the genre. And we're finally convincing these artists that we do. And ultimately, I explained to Richard Marks, like, even though I've probably written and performed 100 songs with my friends, no one's ever heard them because they aren't good. But I do it because I love playing music with my friends. And then I sent him a photo saying, I assure you my musical taste is impeccable. And it was just me and my Richard Marks shirt. <laughs> and he sent me a, he sent me a, a, a message saying that he uh, appreciated my, my passion. I thought he was like, <laughs> oh, one, that's I cool. I thought he was one of those guys who's surprising everyone on Twitter now for being pretty like cool and self-aware. Oh, he really is. He yeah. really is. Um, also, a lot of people don't know this. He was David Foster's assistant way the, back um, when David Foster was doing all the, uh, the big, uh, um, like, um, Chicago producing Chicago and, uh, oh. uh, I guess I could go on, but it, I realized how yeah. obscure the things that I'm talking about. No, no, are. He's, I think he's, he's famous even for, you know, in the mainstream outside of just music dorks, knowing producers names, like he's famous, famous. I yeah. Mean, he was uh, part of the Kardashian clan for a while. And then he married, uh, Catherine McPhee, I believe. Yeah. Is that part of the Kardashian crowd? I really don't keep up on it. No, I, I just actually, I realized maybe she's not that famous. She just would, I, she would show up at my CrossFit gym sometimes and people were like, that's Catherine McPhee. And I had to Google who she was, but. Uh, yeah, that happened with my ex-wife when uh, uh, King Buzzo from the Melvins came in. <laughs> nice. And not the CrossFit. No, it wasn't CrossFit. He doesn't that, guy doesn't, that. That, that guy doesn't CrossFit. No, it's like Keanu Reeves, uh, <laughs> someone like Catherine McPhee. And then King Buzzo, and she texted me, um, who's that guy with the gray hair that you like? And I said, Michael McDonald? <laughs> and she said, no, no, the gray-haired guy. I'm like, Steve Martin? <laughs> the gray guy. She's like, guy. no, no, the guy, the guy with the gray hair that looks like Sideshow Bob. I was like, oh, King Buzzo. King Buzzo, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. On the treadmill next to her. I've, it's weird. I was recently, you know, with my extreme desire to go see live music again, trying to think of who, like who I've seen the most. And it's the Melvins, weirdly enough. They play everywhere. I've seen, I know I've seen them like 15 times just over the years. I just, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll they're, wander they're into a Melvins show everywhere. There was, there's, there's two bad. I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but when you grow up halfway between Chicago and Detroit, every band stops in your hometown and plays the little local, uh, the club is called club soda. And it, it's it's legendary uh, for the bands that played there. But the two bands you could not get away from were Urge Overkill and Mustard Plug. And that's okay. Urge Overkill was fun to see. Very fun. Mustard Plug was always like, oh my god! It's like going to a punk rock festival and walking by Pennywise for the seventeenth time. Like, 
Sure. Um, but yeah, the Melvins are everywhere. And every couple months they show up at the Troubadour or some venue, the Echo in Los Angeles. And it's great. And they always fucking bring it. That's, I've never seen them live, but I will it's, put it's, on my to-do. Yeah, bring your earplugs. Yeah, they're very loud. Uh-huh. So, so Dave, I did want to I get got, into Yacht Rock. I also wanted to get I, I got a tra- I got a train coming by. I know it's always something. Oh. Dave, I live I live basically on a train track. Like <laughs> oh. I, think, I think my house was like a former station. Are you sharing a bean with like uh, somebody with a bindle stick and a floppy top hat? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a... Uh... Oh, man. Yeah, it just sounds like it goes through my living room. Oh, yeah, well, the thing is, when you put a fork in a bean, you can slice it with a knife and share it with your hobo friends. <laughs> yeah. Jesse, can you, can you get a little bit closer to the mic, or does the barrel that you wear as a shirt get in the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. Right here. <laughs> right here. No, I'll, I'll put it above the barrel. <laughs> yeah, you're you're an above the barrel kind of guy. We've always said that about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I keep keep it above the barrel, guys. Yeah, above you know, the keep barrel. It, keep it clean. Yep. We're hoping to uh, get enough Patreon money to get him gloves that have fingers, but that's <laughs> down the road. That's yeah. going to be coming. Okay, so Dave, yeah, maybe uh, sew the top of his shoes shut. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I I still want to circle get a, get back. him a permit to fish in a lake that has fish rather than tin cans. <laughs> Yeah, or get him a a, per, a a proper fishing rod, not just like <laughs> using the other end of his bindle stick. <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah. If I could, you know, guys, learn. If I could learn another song other than Big Rock Candy Mountain, yeah. um, I think just, we're coming. We're coming across as a little hobophobic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no hobo, yeah. Uh, Dave, I do want to close the loop on Norbit if we can. Oh yeah, yeah. So My, you're. Your main source of income. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a a location manager. I find uh, locations for TV and movies, and that's where I make my living. And I've gotten pretty decent at it, and I've worked on some pretty incredible projects. Um, But one of the early projects I did was a little movie called Norbit. There's no need to call it a little movie. Yeah. Well, I was... It's a a masterpiece. First of all, film. I was being It's a film. I was yeah. being humble. It's not Cinema. a movie or a flick. That is a yeah. cinematic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. So how yeah, did this... And if, if you look at my... Like, I have other directors on my resume, like uh, Mike Nichols, Vim Benders, Sean Penn, Terrence Malick, Christopher Guest, J.J. Abrams. Um, plenty. But what I, what I will say is Norbit. <laughs> And can you explain how it came to pass that there are these multiple Eddie Murphy fat suit movies that are, I don't think, related to one another? Oh, I'll tell you exactly how it came to pass. And I, Andy, I don't know if I've told you this story before, but on the set of Norbit, <laughs> a movie I worked on, okay, <laughs> uh, there was uh, this dude, that, this Edgar Winter-looking motherfucker, mm-hmm. like this long, white hair, weird guy that would look out of place at a, at a fucking white wig convention, just like... He was, um, it had rained and our set had filled with water out of Paramount Ranch where we built, I know you're all familiar with the movie, where we built uh, Mr. Wong's Orphanage. Uh, it was filling with water and then as it drained, uh, frogs laid eggs or whatever frogs do. I don't know. It's probably science. Um, 
there were tadpoles in all these uh, these puddles. And the puddles were shrinking and the tadpoles were all going to die. And we wanted to scoop them up and throw them in the, the river or the lake. And it's a national park. And the rangers were like, nope, circle of life. You got to let it go. Don't do it. So I walked up to this white-haired dude, this really weird-looking guy. And he was scooping up tadpoles in his water bottle and screwing the top back on. And I said, hey, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if the rangers see that, they're going to have a problem with it. And he said, oh, I have a house in Studio City. I'm going to take these back. I'm going to put them in my, my lake at my house. And I'm thinking, who has a house with a lake in Studio City? Who yeah. the hell is this guy? Yeah, it's, that's just to, to people who don't live in the area. That's a relatively yeah. built-up part of town. Yeah. Normally doesn't like, have, like, lake space. No, but there's there's people that live there, like Bob Hope, that have a golf course on their property. Like, there's there's that shit happens there. Yeah. And he introduced himself to me. He said his name was Rick Baker. Oh, wow. And he is, other than Stan Winston, they're like the two makeup effects guys that are legendary. And one of them has a, an Oscar for American Werewolf in London. And if you go back and watch it, it's not quite as exciting as what they're doing now. But they were the forerunners. They, they are amazing, amazing people. Did he do John Carpenter's The Thing? Is that Baker? or? Uh, I think he did. I think he did, yeah. yeah. Um, but... We started talking, and he told me about designing all these fat suits for Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and you know, this is this is evolution. This is when the 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 man is is like carrying the spear and standing upright and looking like a tough guy. This is the pinnacle of evolution when he designs these fat suits. And what he told me is when uh, he was doing uh, the Nutty Professor, which is in the clump clumpiverse. Yeah. Um. He went up to Eddie's house uh, off of Mulholland. I'll, I'll send you guys the address. But he um, went up there and said, hey, try this on. And Eddie tried on the suit and started playing around in it and put the, the face piece on. And he said, this is great. Let's go to the park and fuck with people. <laughs> and they went down to a park in Culver City or wherever the hell it was. And Eddie Murphy just started running around fucking with the public. And the way Rick was describing it to me, it was so much fun and natural. And what you have to realize about Eddie Murphy is he became one of the biggest stars in the world when he was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking stars like Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt, because those guys can go to France and nobody knows who the fuck they are. I'm talking like Michael Jackson, Muhammad Ali, like more people recognize Eddie Murphy than recognize the white image of Jesus. <laughs> Like he takes his family to see the pyramids in Egypt, and all of a sudden it's all about three thousand people seeing Eddie Murphy. That's right. like a whole different level of, and he's been that way since he was in his early twenties. So the idea that he could put on a fat suit and disappear, I think, is so appealing to him. In fact, on Norbit, a movie I worked on. <laughs> We were filming uh, on Elm Street at uh, the Universal Studios backlot, the, the famous Norbit house. And he <laughs> yes, yes. had his, his base camp set up. And if, if you've been on a backlot or if you've seen videos of Universal Studios, there's the trams that come through and, you know, it's, it's a big tour. It's like it's, a, it's an amusement park. Uh, but then you have these VIP tour cards that are a little fancier and you pay a little bit more to be on them and you can get out and walk around uh, see where they film Back to the Future and things like that. So this 
tour cart was stopped because they had to wait for Eddie Murphy's SUV to stop, and he got out in full-on Norbit regalia. Actually, he was playing Rasputia. You know the movie. Um, But he got out, and all these people in this tour cart were looking at him, and he went up to them and did about 10 minutes of fucking with people, like 10 minutes of crowd work, like talking about somebody's skirt, talking about somebody's hair. And just like roasting everybody and nobody knew what the hell was going on but they were delighted as hell and then he walked into the the privacy fencing that secured his base camp and everybody's just looking at me because i was standing there and i just said ladies and gentlemen eddie murphy and everybody gasped and then started taking photos of me because <laughs> i'm the guy that said eddie murphy um but at the core of it, I think the fat suit lets him disappear and lets him be somebody else. And I think when you achieve that level of fame, I think that's kind of what you want. All of a sudden, anonymity becomes important because you haven't had it since you were 20 years old. That Isn't that a fairly common, I mean, not to that extreme, but the use of prosthetics for celebrity anonymity, I think is, is like that's a real thing that happens quite a bit. I know, like, Robert Downey Jr. has, like, a fake nose yeah. that he puts on and stuff, like, when he goes out, because he's, you know, a massive, massive star. Um, it's just, yeah, that's interesting. I would be so worried about something going wrong with it, and then I'm just a guy in a... Yeah. <laughs> well, Jim Carrey you know. told a story about uh, putting on sunglasses and growing a mustache to try to be a little anonymous, and people were just like... Hey, you look like Jim Carrey with a mustache. Or, hey, Jim Carrey, why do you have a mustache? Are you playing a mustachioed guy? One time, one time, I was visiting the set of that show Weeds to see mm-hmm. a to see a friend who was on the show, and I'm standing out, and I was smoking a cigarette out in the in the back lot, and one of those things <laughs> went by, you know. And uh, the tour guide, literally, like, as they're going by, people start snapping photos and stuff, and I'm standing there, you know, and he goes, oh, no, that guy's a nobody. <laughs> it's like, like, he told people, like, don't photograph that guy, you know, that guy sucks. I was like, yeah, it's, it's great. Love it. We've loved sharing all the things we've learned from the Great Courses Plus, and we've had great feedback from those of you who've signed up also. And The Great Courses Plus is now Wondrium. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M. And it's everything we already loved about the streaming service, but so much more. And if you haven't signed up yet, what are you waiting for? You can go to wondrium.com slash probably right now for a free month of access to their entire library of programming. Yeah, I've actually been I've actually been cribbing from them this week because I'm Andy and I both wrote on a site show recently, and I'm still doing some work on it. And there was some... Uh, some physics-y things that I really didn't understand that I was then having to write about on this show. And I was like, I think I need, uh, I think I need some professional help on this. So I jumped across to Wondrium just a couple of days ago to try and work out what the hell go- is going on with semiconductors. <laughs> was- oh man, that was actually something that I got to admit, I never really understood. I think I have a much better grasp of it now. And you you were actually an electronic engineer, so I know <laughs> that's the engineer. thing. Like that was my least favorite. Semiconductors and circuits are just like I loved math, but I didn't love the practical applications. Great, yeah, I, I've got a much better grasp of it thanks to this programming that you could also take advantage of, or you could just follow whatever your interest happens to be, or whatever is just catching a fancy that day. What have you been up to, Andy? What have you been watching? 
I actually wanted to see if I remember anything from what was my favorite class in college. It wasn't even in my major, but my senior year, I took a game theory class and really loved it. So I uh, have been dipping my toe back into a program called Games People Play, Game Theory in Life, Business, and Beyond. And it's super interesting, um, like relearning about things like Nash Equilibria and dominated strategies. Yeah. Like, there's so many things that apply that, that are games. You don't think of them as being games. Uh, and and but, this actually ties are. quite neatly into our special offer this week because we actually have a captive prisoner tied up in a cell right now. <laughs> and, and if he depending on, on his... <laughs> yeah, depending on the number of people who sign up, and it's uh, he will or won't live. But there's a twist. I, 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 haven't, I should have really sat down and worked out actually... Right, uh, what the prisoner's dilemma is, yeah. <laughs> That sort but, of stuff does apply to a lot of things in life. And I think it's just it's just super interesting. So um, like everything on Wondrium, basically, if you have an interest, you can look on there and chances are, want to learn the ukulele? There's programming on that. Just sign up. Go to wondrium.com slash probably. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M.com slash probably. And sign up for your free month and just like type in whatever you're interested in. You'll probably yep. get to learn a lot about it. So yeah, once again, for a limited time, you have a free month of programming if you use our code. So that is W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash probably. We should get onto stories in a second, but, but also, I don't know, do you guys know Harmon Leon? No. Who was, uh, I, he, he's a comic and, uh, and writer, but he was, he got hired years ago to be the, the sidekick on O.J. Simpson's very short-lived hidden camera prank show. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Where he's just, you know, doing pranks on this is you know obviously post-crime and he's doing pranks on the public and then sort of revealing himself out of his disguise like it is i the murderer oj simpson (laughs) (laughs) but wow but on one of the reveals one guy's just like so uh is this how you have to go around now oh my god (laughs) oh that's funny that's perfect Man, it's not like a sex offender that has to introduce himself to the neighbors. <laughs> yeah, it's just, but like in a fat suit first. Or a, a wow. Man. <laughs> it's just, That's hey, a vol- that that is a volcanic story, Matt. Oh. Ah, there we uh, go. That's the Jesse heat we've been missing all these years. Yeah, not as much heat as uh, multiple volcanoes going off at once, guys. See, I'll tell you where things are heating up. The the Aleutian Islands. Oh yeah. In Alaska. Do you guys know that uh Four remote volcanoes are active in the uh, archipelago. Archipelago. Did, did not know that. I no. only know because Timothy Kindy emailed in this Smithsonian Magazine article about it. Well, let me tell you something. There are these islands called the Aleutian Islands, right? And they jut out from uh, the 49th state. That would be Alaska. Um, and are it's part these of the, the, the little little leg that kind of goes over towards Russia? That little, mm-hmm. that little bit? Mm-hmm. That little bit. And uh, it's part of the Ring of Fire, which is what it's called. And um, and that's where the Pacific tectonic plate meets several other plates. Um, So so check this out. Right. You'd think one volcano. No big deal. Who cares? I've seen it all before. Two volcanoes. This is like a a disaster movie. Three at once. Bananas. Mm. And there's uh, there's three volcanoes. Too many volcanoes, Jesse. That's too many volcanoes. That's too many. Uh, that's that's too many. That's too too many. Uh, three of the volcanoes they're erupting or spewing steam and ash, and the fourth is exhibiting elevated surface temps, and that's uh, according to the Alaska Volcano Observatory. Um, they're the ones you want to hear from. Yeah, well, they've set the threat level to orange. 
the cover Ooh. the color of lava yeah. um, indicating eruptions are underway for the great Sitkin, the Pavlov and the semi Sapoknoi volcanoes. None of those are pronounced correctly. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and currently Cleveland uh, that's in Alaska. It's <laughs> not Alaska. We all know where Cleveland is. Sure, obviously. It's uh, it's yellow because of signs of unrest. Cleveland and, is um, yellow, not brown. That's yeah. right. It's the Cleveland yellows. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, people are thinking it's not a big risk right now. You know, one of the closest cities is Cold Bay. It's a city of 108 people. I'm not sure why it's called a city. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the one of the geologists... Guys, this is Chris Way Thomas. He's, he said it's a very sneaky volcano, he says of Pavlov. Um, very, very sneaky. In the volcano community, it is considered uh, one of the sneakiest. Sure. Yeah. It, it, that, that's, that does sound like some kind of slur. I don't know what, like... Yeah, it's, is this like somebody, like, uh, like a hobo stealing pies off a windowsill? Like, <laughs> how, like how is it sneaky? Well, because it it uh, erupts with very little warning. Oh, you know, uh, normally it's like you have kind of a heads up. You're like, all right, in the next five years or so, this uh, this puppy's going to pop off, you know. But yeah. this this uh, this Pavlov, um, I keep wanting to say Pavlov, um, probably because yeah, there's some sort of training. Yeah, sure. it's intuitive. <laughs> yeah, um, but this Pavlov, it just pops up just out of nowhere, boom, you know, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 all it's 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 going off, you know. Three at once, triple threat volcanoes. Now this is all along what some might call the Bering Strait. Um, I believe that is what the Aleutian Islands uh, traverse is the Bering Strait. Yes. Oh, is that what that is? I never knew. It's just well, that Bering Strait is just one of those geographical names that I have heard of and could not. I don't think I could have placed it. I might have hit the right continent, maybe. So, so that little, that chain of islands, like the little legs sticking off of Alaska, mm-hmm. that's that separates the Bering Sea and North Pacific, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the Bering Strait. And there you go. There yeah. you go. If, if you ever want to, you know, whip out your compass, do some uh, circumnavigating. Yeah, and look at uh, Alaska's. Uh jutted um like like you know we all know what florida looks like alaska yeah. has one too alaska it's one of america's many many peni mm-hmm. do you guys think we're going to get more states we're at 50 you know 50 states and i think it's only because it's such a round number i think well, it's most of it, the resistance who wants to ruin 50 yeah who wants to yeah, make it like okay 49 states the stars still look cool on a flag 51 they figured out how to do it or 50 they figured out how to do it how are they going to do 51 i think i've seen it because i i've i've been very curious about this as well of like what is going to happen to the flag and they (laughs) they have they have a country song (laughs) yeah (laughs) what's going to happen to the flag it doesn't divide Um, it's, it's 17 times three which is not a... <laughs> I could just change the aspect ratio of the flag. So just Com- like three, it's not a comfortable multiple. Three well, they, lines of 17 you, stars. Yeah, so you can't do a rectangle easily, but you could do... Well, I mean, they've done prime numbers before with those yeah. things. I mean, it's like we've... So there are contingency flags all, oh. the, way up, all the way up to 55. Yeah, I got a... Um, I got a... Uh, I think an Oklahoma flag from like 190-whatever that has 46 or 47 stars on it. Still looks pretty good. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, it's like you don't you don't notice 
You know, like I, I, I mean, I've got to be honest. I'm not stopping to count all the stars in every flag I see. Are you saying people look at the American flag blindly and just use it as a symbol? Yeah, it's like it's as if they've had to pledge allegiance from it since they were five. Um, wow. And and not act like that's not insane. Like sure, under God. An, an insane thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. You know, it was Eisenhower that added, um, in God we trust, the money. Or it, it wasn't Eisenhower specifically, but under his uh, reign, um, in God we trust was added to the, the money. And one nation under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Okay, 51. I just looked up the 51. And actually, it does look relatively neat because... 17 yeah. times 3 is the same as rows of 9 and 8 times 3. Right. So it goes so they, it they just, just goes like 989. Yeah. Yeah, it just goes 989989898 from the top. Cuz even with 50, we didn't do they didn't do like a rectangle. It's still with 50, it's uh, alternating um is it 5454 four, that ends in a 5 or something like that? Yeah, sinusoidal, or six, I think they call five, it. Six, and I know I'm using that properly. <laughs> we got to get a vexillologist on this podcast. Is what we got to do. <laughs> Is that the word for a flag expert? That it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's somebody whose job it is to be... Uh, a real just... flagget. <laughs> I'm sure nope, somebody's... No, no, out. Nope, yeah, nope, no, 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 wait. That's not, uh... Flagitarian? Sure. Yeah, I'll go with that one. Uh, but I'm sure there's somebody who is uh, currently uh, you know, just uh, spitballing some possible additional numbers of states and what that would look like. And I, I, I would love to see California split up into three or four states that makes total sense so we don't have to have Certainly wyoming's does. is wyoming's votes be worth five times what a californian's vote is mm-hmm. so yeah listeners if you can do that uh get on it i would appreciate extra states um do you do you want to do a uh what we're talking about extra planning for the future there is a there's, there's been some bad climate reports out recently well, it has been a slightly concerning. I'm starting to think that this climate change thing is real. Well, let's not get carried away. Yeah. But there, yeah, there are possible alarm people, right? Yeah, I don't know if we're going to make it to those 51 stars, you know. But, but possibly curbing methane could buy us time because that is a substantially more uh, serious greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, although it's a lot less long-lived. Well, now I can't eat these beans on the train. <laughs> Wait, you're on the train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on a train. I'm on a train right now. Are you great riding the rails? Yeah, that's what I do. Just breezing from town to town looking for work? Looking mm-hmm. for podcasts. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're uh, on one of those p- uh, hand-pumped carts, right? Yeah. Flopping yeah. hats <laughs> off to you, man. Say, mister, anyone in this here town need a guest? Brother, can you spare 10 cents? That's the saying, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, can, I, can I just suggest, Jesse, if you have to stay at a farmer's uh, house at some point along the way, uh, whatever you do, stay away from the milking machine yeah. in, in the barn. <laughs> yeah. Or stay, I'm sorry, stay away from the holes. The in holes the, in the wall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. No, you have to stay away from his daughters. Yeah, that's, that's, also stay well, away that's from where the, the daughter stays. <laughs> right. Right behind that hole. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. My mom grew up on a farm, and she was always telling me how much it sucked to have to sleep behind the hole like that. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not a comfortable position to sleep in. You know what I've thought about? This is weird, but I've seriously, um, 
Well, you guys know, and the listeners know, I don't know if Dave knows, but um, I, you know, had a bout of the old ass cancer and sure. wanted, uh, a, a, it gets pretty dark, but you, you, you know, stage four, you plan your death, you think about it a lot. And I was seriously leaning into figuring out the logistics of getting a glory hole put on my coffin. <laughs> I, I wanted, I just so wanted your, a glory so, hole so bad. So your friends could stop by for a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it'd be great to have a glory hole in a cup, but you know, then I was going to go cremation. So now everybody's uh, bummed out. But guys, <laughs> speaking of being cremated, it's, it's real hot when you get that. They really turn up the temp there, and it seems yeah. like how could we how could we cut down on that there, Matt? If we wanted to, yeah. So so according to a new the IPCC report, uh, which was pretty negative in general, but the um, the study suggested that thirty to fifty percent of the current rise in temperature is down to methane. Major sources include agriculture and leaks from oil and gas production and landfills. So for decades, the main focus of efforts has been to curb CO2 emissions from human activities like generating power and clearing forests. Which is good scientific reasons, CO2 is the biggest driver of temperatures, responsible for around 70% of the warming. But methane has not had the same focus. This week's report points out graphically that its influence has been calculated as adding about half of a degree to the Celsius to warming the world. Um, that it's experiencing right now. About 40... Yeah, go for it. Well, no, no. I was just wondering where it's all coming from. It's a bummer the article doesn't say that. Oh, well, actually, you're in luck there, Jesse. It's a... Yeah, so 40% of it comes from natural sources like wetlands. But a bigger, the bigger share now, the, the lion's share comes from human activities, such as agriculture. So it doesn't say this in the article, but I happen to know that cows belching out. It's not farting even the farting, it's cows. the belching. It's belching Ooh. cows yep. is, the, is hugely responsible they're always in Kalamazoo, always playing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then also just ru- like trash, like rubbish tips, which as the as the trash decomposes, that gives off this methane, which you can possibly capture and maybe use as a fuel. Well, it's a good thing that the United States hasn't contributed to this at all, right? Yeah, we're, well, we're you clear. Say, you say we, that we found we found some foreigners to blame it on. So the boom, in, the, there's a big, there's been a big spike in the methane emissions since 2008. Yeah, but, just, but oh, mm. believed to be linked to the boom for fracking gas in parts of the U.S. So the production, transportation, and use of natural gas, which the as scientist says, is really mis- misnamed. It should be called fossil gas. I I like I like the professor Peter Thorne said that. I like uh I like trying rebranding it as fossil gas so it sounds a little bit less like. Are you using fossil gas in your uh, in your oven there still? Mm. Mm. Natural so, makes it sound too benevolent. It does. Yeah, it's just like, like it's a Whole Foods thing. God gave it to us, man, to use. It's natural. Right. <laughs> wow. Over. Uh, well, are there are there any positives? You know, to to this to this methane situation. Well, so, so it doesn't last as long in the air as carbon dioxide. If you if you emit a, a ton of it today. In a decade's time, Professor Thorne says he would expect half of that ton to remain in the atmosphere. In two decades, a quarter. So his half-life is about a decade. So if we manage to stop emitting methane today, by the end of the century, emissions will be down to natural levels like they were in the 18th century. Hmm. But hmm. in the short term, if methane emissions were cut by 40 to 45% over the next decade, we would shave about a third of a degree off of the increase in global temperature. Wow. Which is not... Yeah, it's not, not enough, but it's it's a start. It's yeah, uh, it's well, it's something. Yeah. Um, if you look at uh, a lot of landfills that have been turned into parks, which is a thing, um, you will see like series of tubes going over them because they are venting the methane gas 
coming from underneath. There's one up in uh, Griffith Park um, here in Los Angeles that they they burn off methane. Or they don't burn it off. They, they just they pump off, it out. Off because, gases. yeah, they, there was a big garbage dump up there in the 30s or 40s. And then they overfilled it. They call it Toyon Canyon, I think. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, it's just pumping methane into into Los Angeles, which is good because we don't have enough um, right. shit there's, pumping there's into the air here. There. So. Right. Clean, so free clean methane clean over at the park if anyone's yeah. got a, a plastic yeah, bring, bag. Bring a balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Hike on up there. Send it wow. to your, uh, you know, we could could we be burning it in our cars? Could we be running it in general in a... Could we use it to, to run the cars, or can you light a match in your car and set your farts aflame? Because yes to that, you definitely can. Yeah, I mean... So that's, that's a real thing? You can set farts aflame? Yeah. Oh, uh, wait, Jesse, don't tell me you've never lit a fart on fire. No, I haven't. I was never able to do it, so I didn't know if other people succeeded. Well, now I feel like I should I even admit... To, let me ask everyone else first. Has anyone else on this call lit a fart? Singed my ass hair, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very doable. It, it, oh, okay. it, it does work, yeah. Interesting. So, so oh, I've heard blue blue flame. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. No, I've never been to a party. To it. Right? Yeah. No, I've been to I've been to parties, but uh, I, I mean, normally I, I leave by the time I we're lighting farts. Question that accuracy? <laughs> <laughs> not lately. No, not you know. Um. <laughs> yeah, man. I hate this pandemic. I haven't been to a party in five years. Does does um, uh. <laughs> Does, does lighting like does lighting your fart make it easier to take off, like to you know get air with, like slightly? Because when you know if you fart with enough force, you will lift off the ground to an extent. But if you were to Duh. light it underneath, do you get like more of that rocket effect? No, yeah, it's that's... actually the opposite. It's like kind of like it sucks out the lift from you, kind of like when that helicopter crushed Vic Morrow on the set of Twilight Zone. Oh, wait, what's the analogy there? <laughs> uh, the movie Twilight Zone. They were filming. I, right. uh, John, John, not John. Landis. Uh, John Landis uh, wanted more and more explosions. This helicopter came down, and the explosion sucked out the oxygen because it eats oxygen, and it brought the helicopter down and it killed Vic Morrow and the kids. Oh, that's what they say. The reason. Oh, I was. didn't know. What, I never. Yeah. I knew the the story. I knew of the event, but I didn't know that's what did it. Yeah. As yeah. A, as a location manager. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this Indian thing? Dunes was where that it happened, if that's what you were going to ask. Well, I was also going to ask, like, have you heard the rumor I've heard is that so uh, Twilight Zone was an anthology where I think each of the four stories was directed by a different director. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. And was was or was not Steven Spielberg involved? He in absolutely some- was. And I can tell you the whole story. And I've got I'm one degree away from a person that was there. And you're not going to get in trouble for saying this. Okay. What are they going to do? Let's dish on Spiels. Yes. All right. So um, a friend of mine whose father was a unit production manager on the movie uh, told me that uh, basically what happened. And I've also talked to cameramen that were there. Um, I, I was obsessed with this for a while. It's so a crazy story. Yeah. They've got the cameras all set up. Um, they There's very specific rules with working with children in the industry. Like they can't work more than so many hours they can't work past a certain time you have to have what they call a welfare worker which is more of like a studio teacher that is just looking out for the the kids well-being and even back then these things were in place they got much stricter after this so it was a brother and sister i believe they were actually they were supposed to be vietnamese in the script but i think they were vietnamese 
children. Mm-hmm. And the parents may or may not have been there. I'm not quite sure. But they sent them to the trailer and had them sleep because they weren't going to film this scene until 2 in the morning, and which is illegal. Right. And they brought them out, and it was this big thing where they, like, he's pulling, like, Vietnamese kids out of a, a hut that's being bombed in this Vietnam epic. And there's a helicopter that flies overneath, uh, uh, over top of them. And uh, Landis kept saying, I want it bigger. I want the fire bigger. I want everything bigger and yelling at everybody. And the cameraman, the cameraman that I talked to said it was so hot that he ran away from his camera. And if you've ever been on set with a cameraman, all they care about is their fucking equipment. Mm. They're like the nerdiest, nebbishy, like gear guys. Like, oh, don't touch my lens with it. Hmm. Uh, he said he ran away from his camera because it was too fucking hot. The explosion sucked the oxygen out of it. The helicopter came crashing down and severed the three people that were killed. Um, Steven Spielberg was there sitting in a chair. When it happened, there was absolute chaos. A car pulled up. They grabbed Spielberg, put him in the car, and got him out of there just so he wouldn't be part of the story. That's what I'd heard. And okay, confirmed, more yeah. or less. And then, of course, like years of battling in court and Landis never taking ownership. No, in fact, Landis uh, showed up at the trial and he like people think he was drugged or like hopped up on something, probably just on some anti-stress Xanax, some kind of thing that we don't even have access to because we're not insanely rich. But um, he showed up at the trial and was like, I didn't. And everyone was like, "Okay." And then back to Eddie Murphy, after his career was in the toilet, uh, through uh, John Landis's career was in the toilet, through him Beverly Hills Cop 3. Wait, Landis directed Beverly Hills Cop 3? I believe so. Oh. I hope I have that right. If not, I said it with a lot of confidence. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy that his career kept going after this. He's yeah. worked for decades since this happened. And, yep. and such a solid family. Oh, I, I was wondering if someone's going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's insane to me that like uh, that era of directing was kind of that weird second golden age of like dynasty, you know, massive directors where, um, yeah, like all the like uh, you were you were such a dictator and you could just do insane things like, uh, you know, like Apocalypse Now, like they actually killed that water buffalo. Yeah. Oh, what, while we're talking about insane things and, and dictators, uh, I, I got some inside scoop the other day. I think two or three episodes ago, we talked about we were recording on the morning when there'd been that um, International Space Station event. Oh, yeah. That was a follow up. Yeah, that was it was just reported in the news as like there was an incident and in that, you know, one of the uh, the Russian uh a uh, new Russian uh, ship like docked with it, and then it, there was a there was like a little explosion, and it knocked it off orbit, uh, and uh, and then they recovered it, and everything's fine now. And that was pretty much how the story was reported. And I was, I happened to meet someone who works in the space industry, a friend of mine, like later that night after we'd recorded, and and it it was way worse, like it was way more serious than it was reported. Uh, in the official press, he's he's not telling any tales out of school. Firstly, it wasn't his company that was involved in any of this stuff, but also, space Twitter apparently was is on all oh. this shit instantly. So like, it was already like they track everything and they are very aware of everything that's going on and they're monitoring all the communication. So apparently, space Twitter 
on it. But um, the the Russian the the Russian ship had already exploded before it docked, and then what? Russia was like, "Nah, it'll be fine still." Like it had already had a ma- like a huge in space malfunction where it had blown off one of it. I think. I'm going to say it had blown off one of its fuel tanks or something. Something had already very seriously exploded. And uh, and then they still let it dock. And then it had a second explosion. But luckily, because of the first explosion, that had already used up its main fuel, like its main engine. This mm. is how... This is now my two-week-old memory trying to relay the story as it was told to me by someone who actually knows what he's talking about. But all ships kind of have two engines on like the main one that gets them into orbit and then the one that's like for small adjustments and the main one had already gone like that had just that had used up all of its fuel or all its juice and all its power so it was only the smaller one that exploded and and in his words which is lucky because if it had been a big one that whole space station would be halfway to mars Uh, (laughs) but but even still with that like they had already got into the like all the astronauts were already just in the escape module ready to bail just in case and the space station fully flipped more than once wow wow crazy and then russia's like it's fine yeah (laughs) and and everyone just has to kind of smooth it over and act like we'll report it as a bit of a store as a bit of a hiccup rather than a oh no like these astronauts very nearly had to abandon the whole space station and get the fuck out of that there's got to be video footage of this, right? I would think there's... Well, again, space, space Twitter apparently is yeah. is on the ball, and I'm sure Space Reddit as well. I also found out that um, Space Reddit generally, pretty accurate, whereas Space Quora, very inaccurate. Well, Quora is just the most... <laughs> Quora is Quora, one of the worst Quora uses of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Quora does sometimes, though. I've got information from Quora in the past, but I'm, I'm definitely... I've always treated it with some skepticism, but, I'm, but yeah, he was saying like... Um, yeah, if someone asks us a space question on Quora, someone will very confidently reply with completely the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas on Reddit, supposedly, after after a certain period of up and down voting, they do generally sort of triangulate on something very close to the correct answer, like some sort of wisdom of the crowds thing. Yeah, and also that yeah, the, yeah, wisdom of the crowd cross with there are genuine experts on there, but yeah, the wisdom of the crowds. And the Reddit algorithm does a pretty good job of pushing the wrong answers out and the correct answers and upvoting the correct answers. Yeah. So was that the Soyuz? Um, the I mean, was that the docking ship that? It was an what? un. It was an unmanned craft. Was the docking ship? So I don't know if that would oh, be a Soyuz because okay. that's okay. Again, I don't know. Did, are there unmanned Soyuz as well? Don't know. That. Um, I but, don't, nah, but the current it's the the one. The American side got into the uh, SpaceX Dragon module, which is the which is currently the that's the manned ship that is currently attached to the American side of the station. Which I think was the first time we got people up there not from a Russian Soyuz, right? Yes, yeah, since since, since uh, the NASA, shuttle. Yeah, yeah, since the shuttle, the shuttle era. Yeah. I love this episode. It's probably gossip. This is some tradition. There it is. But this yes. is science. This I is lo- science no, yeah, gossip. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, the International Space Station. I mean, that that thing just flies around the world. You know. That it does. That's crazy. I mean, that's such a large distance to travel. Yeah. To yeah. Circle uh-huh. the Earth. You know? Well, that's something that could only really happen in recent times. That something could travel long distances. Surely. Well, Matt, this is gonna blow your fucking mind. <laughs> but. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, these, these scientists, right? They're everywhere, these scientists. Oh, God. They've analyzed... What, what are they doing? Well, I'll tell you what they're doing. They're analyzing the chemistry locked inside woolly mammoth's tusks. And by doing that, they've worked out how far it traveled in a lifetime. And it turns out that these giant hairy bastards, very migratory. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the, the research shows that this Ice Age animal traveled a distance equivalent to circling the Earth twice. What? Woo! Uh, yeah, these are the, the hairy cousins of today's elephants, and they were uh, roaming northern latitudes during a prehistoric cold period known as the Pleistocene. Um, That's the stuff out- that kids model with? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's Pleistocene. Um, kids model with it, and there, there are woolly mammoths in there. And um, now, what they don't know, they don't know if this was a season, if it was a seasonal migrator, um, but it covered some serious ground. And this, this was the co-lead author of the study, Dr. Matthew Wooler. What are the chance? I mean, come on. <laughs> he had to. Yeah, he had nominative to determinism in in play here. Yeah. 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 And I, I assume, like, Dr. Stephen Mammoth is right. the other guy. Um, it visited many parts of Alaska at some point during its lifetime. This is a single mammoth. Um, we, I mean, maybe it was, like, in an open relationship. We don't know for, for sure. Well, we, yeah, we, we have no idea what it was yeah. up to. Or maybe um, it traveled for work. We don't know. Right. Yeah, but um, mammoth tusks uh, were a bit like tree rings, and they recorded information about the life history um, when you uh, saw into one and some chemical elements incorporated into the tusks while the animal's alive can serve as pins on a map. Um, if you combine those two things, you can work out the travel history of, uh, this is a, a male mammoth that lived 17,000 years ago in Alaska. Uh, its remains were found near the northern state's Brooks range of mountains. Uh, from the moment they're born until they die, they've got a, a diary and it's written in their tusks. Um, so they sp- they split it in half, all right, at the Alaska Stable Isotope Facility, um, and then they uh, they add blue stain, and that reveals growth lines. And they add new uh, they add new layers, and um, they study different isotopes uh, in the layers. Uh, that's using uh, strontium and oxygen, um, and they match with uh, maps predicting isotope variations across Alaska. Anyway. They do all that stupid shit, and they find out that the mammoth had covered 70,000 kilometers of Alaskan landscape during its 28 years on the planet, uh, which, is, which is about twice the circumference of the Earth. That's incredible. Yeah. That's that's, 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 I would call that woolly mammoth uh, hobo adjacent with that kind of mileage. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what a, what a bit of a wander it's having. Yeah, yeah they, didn't, they didn't even have rails to ride. I know. And nothing. Man. You know, I think, um, like, the science behind examining bones for DNA and mapping, uh, one of the forerunning uh, doctors that did that is actually Greg Graffin, the lead singer of Bad Religion. Oh! I think he was, he was in grad school at Cornell when I was an undergrad there, I think. Yeah. He, like, got his PhD in discovering... Uh, the DNA in bones. Actually, I think mammoth bones. I don't know. I read an article about this 30 years ago. Uh, so call me an expert. Um, but he started the process or was part of the start of the process of mapping what you're talking about, like 
finding the, the blueprints of DNA as far as migratory things. I'm, I'm going off the rails here. Somebody, somebody jump in and help me. <laughs> I was just going to name more rock stars who are surprisingly smart besides obviously Brian May. I think the Offspring lead singer has some grad yeah, degree. It's Dexter. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, Milo from The Descendants. He's got a PhD in some bullshit. Ooh. I know, I know he doesn't have a PhD, but Slash is really into dinosaurs and paleontology. That's just a little Slash fact. I know he, that he, he will always seek out the nat- National History or the Natural History Museum in whatever town he's playing. That's his daytime activity when he's, when he's touring. Well, can, some... you, can you buy dinosaur bones? Yeah, you absolutely can. Interesting. Okay, oh. so if you wanted yeah. to own like a dinosaur fossil, you could... Huh. Yeah, I think over a certain level, and they might be considered uh, national artifacts that are too in the in the you know scientific interest to belong in a private collection. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm you definitely can. You could because they're just fossils, and you can own, you can buy fossils. I mean, you can buy like you can go into a like a gift store and find like small fossils. Yeah. Just just off of the beach. Yeah, like yeah. The, the, I was in the or, Petri- or like in a national park or whatever. You can buy like you know a little shell of something that's right, right. Yeah, in in Petrified Forest National Park, there's signs everywhere saying "Don't take any of this stuff out of the park." And I was like, I want one little piece of petrified wood. Then on the drive out, as soon as you cross the line and you're outside of the park, the first thing you see is this it's, gift yeah, shop that's overrun not. with petrified wood that you can. <laughs> basically get for free. It's like, oh, okay. So once you're outside of the line, they're like, all bets are off. The parking lot's littered with giant petrified logs. Well, oh, it, it wow. takes me it takes me back to the documentary uh, that John Candy was in called Who's Harry Crumb? Oh, right, yeah. Where they had an actual uh, dinosaur egg on uh, the... Was that Jeffrey Jones, the creep from Ferris Bueller's Day Off that got yeah. busted in a... Uh, well, we don't, we don't need to talk about what he did. But, um, yeah... You can you can have a dinosaur egg on your desk if you want. Just Why like did Jeff- Harry Crumb need a real dinosaur egg? Well, they were trying to be factual. Right. You know, they were, they're recreating the actual story. Yeah. Here we go. In in just last year, a a T Rex. We might have even talked about this on the show, but a T Rex fossil known as Stan was sold in a private auction at Christie's for thirty one million. Jesus. And it says in this National Geographic article, I put this in the show notes as well, that. If it's bones discovered on federal land are the property of the government, but if they are discovered on private land, then they can be bought and sold as private property. Yeah. Mm. Well, the problem is the government owns so much land and it's controlled by the Bureau of Land Management or to use the acronym BLM. And it it's really confusing when you're a location manager and people start talking about BLM. Because it, I don't know if you're aware, but it means two different things. Oh. <laughs> are you and not allowed to so shoot when, things? On, so when, on? And, and when are they like getting in the way of you trying to shoot things and making it harder for you to get gain permits? And you're going like, fuck uh, these yeah, BLM, like, god damn it, these, these, these BLM, BLM bastards. <laughs> Just uh, they're actually in a lawsuit right now. With, I don't, I don't know who it's with, but you cannot film on BLM land, Bureau of Land Management land, right now. Because they're so corrupt and fucked up, and I think Ted Turner's trying to buy a bunch of it. But uh, yeah, but there's also another BLM which I fully support. It's You're a- talking, of course. Dave supports Blue Lives Matter. He's yeah. got his Blue Lives Matter <laughs> shirt on. We saw him earlier. He's a he's a big thin blue line guy. Um, I will have you know 
The shirt I am wearing right now says, no Huey, no news, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I will happily is, send you a photo. Which is the secret motto of the Fraternal <laughs> Order of Police. Um, yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can buy a T-Rex if you want. Yeah, That's it says cool. the, the article, this article says, the headline is actually 31.8 million is what it sold for. And the, the article says, this dinosaur fossil, T-Rex also sold for 31.8 million and scientists are furious. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Every time I go to a museum, I mean, everything in a museum, it always says from the collection of, and, and right, a lot of times right. it's stuff I didn't know you could buy at all you know um yeah it's just it's insane to me that i guess you could you could just i mean if you were if you were a multi-billionaire you could have an atrium full of t-rexes who cares if you yeah as long as you're taking care of it yeah well you gotta you gotta take care of of those dinosaurs yeah um we should wrap up the main episode maybe just squeeze in one extra episode for our patreon patrons if that's cool with everyone uh, yeah, 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 I can do whatever. But, yeah, I think my neighbors are starting a pool party, so my sound's going to get real terrible. They have <laughs> awful taste in music. But um, but before we do, Dave and Jesse and and Andy, and where where can our listeners find everything you're up to and what and everything about you? Well, you can rent uh, Norbit on um, <laughs> Apple TV. Um, I have a podcast I haven't done in a while called Beyond Yacht Rock and. We make up music genres for random bullshit. And the original uh, Yacht Rock series is also available on, online, right? You yeah, can still yeah, find you, all those yeah, episodes. Just, yeah, Google YouTube. They're yeah, actually, actually they're quite they're quite fun. They kind of hold up. They they, they are. I, I watched an episode of it again recently, and and also you get now get the fun of there's there's a fair number of cast members who are already doing pretty well in the comedy comedy uh, world. But there's oh my a, god, yeah. There's a few me- cast members in there who have. Whose stars have risen a bit since you yeah. filmed with them? Yeah, Jesus Christ! Like Wyatt Cenac and uh, Steve Agee, uh, Morgan Murphy. Uh, Christopher Cross is played by Rick and Morty creator yeah. and voice actor Justin, Justin Roiland. Yeah, and yeah, Ted Templeman, Stan Harmon, um, Jason Lee is in an episode. We got Drew Carey. They were already kind of hot shit. Yeah, those guys were. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They had. They had. They had a career. Yeah. Um, Oh, while we're, while we're plugging stuff that was made a while ago, but is uh, is you should watch uh, the series Memory Hole that I co-wrote for Quibi has now gained a second life on Roku. It's now been picked up after the death of Quibi, and now you can watch it for free on Roku's website. And oh, very cool. I would love you to watch that because particularly if, if enough people watch it, maybe we'll get to make more of them. And it's a really fun, uh, silly series. And again, like Yacht Rock, it's short if. It, well, Yacht Rock's even shorter episodes. I think they're like five minute episodes, right? Yeah, we kept it at five minutes. We're not assholes. Uh, these are these are like maybe six or seven minute episodes. So you know, save it for when you've got a bit more time. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, watch that. We'll put the link in the show notes for that as well. And please please watch that because if everyone watches them, we might get to make some more. So and I, I was fun. It was Will Arnett hosting and f- a friend of the show Scott Fruman created it, and I got to write with it. And uh, Jesse, where can people find you and things you're up to? I don't do anything, you know. 
<laughs> you just go to go to my Twitter. Um, it's got a bunch of stuff on there, and then uh, I'll tell you where I'm doing uh, shows and uh, podcasts and all that stuff. Just get on. Yeah, just go in there. I don't, I don't right. know, man. Well, as I don't do anything. As yeah. always, you can find us at probablyscience.com on Twitter at probablyscience individually at Andy T Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. Thank you for thank you for coming back, Jesse, and, and joining us for the oh, episode. Oh, yeah, of course, and, of course. And thank you for joining us, David B. Lyons. Thanks for having me, man. This was great. It seemed fun. Mm-hmm.